whakina te whakaaro kia puta he kōrero, kāinga te kōrero kia puta he rangatira e ngā iwi e noho nei i runga i te ika a Māui tsukitsuki a taranga tāino atu ki te waka a Māui e whakarongo mai ana ki tēnei o ngā i pāho e mei ngā kenei ko whakaaro Fridays tēnā koutou o tira tēnā tāua. We're just going to get straight into it given that there's a lot of news uh, to cover from the last few months. Uh, the first thing on uh, the news bulletin. Uh, at the end of June, there was a video that emerged of an Oranga Tamariki staff member assaulting a young teen at one of their facilities, um, ironically named a care facility. Um, now, the minister in charge of uh, Oranga Tamariki, Minister Calvin Davis, uh, came out and said that the video was a symbol of a broken system and the Labour government have also admitted uh, that change is needed uh, within that um, institution of Oranga Tamariki which is pretty obvious um, but the machine is moving very slowly and um, the Labour party at the moment are waiting for Another report from another group of people uh, led by Matthew Tsukaki um, which is a report on Oranga Tamiliki and, and what needs to change. Um, so effectively another report uh, that's likely going to tell them that the system needs to be replaced or fundamentally transformed uh, which the Waitangi Tribunal have already made clear in its latest report. Um, so there have been yeah, many inquiries, many reports um, around um, the failures and what is wrong with Oranga Tamariki uh, and don't get me wrong that the reports are helpful but so only so many can be helpful and I think it's well past the time to make meaningful transformations to the system which is meant to care for our Tamariki. Uh, Tuarua uh, wanted to cover the uh, SNA protests that took part in early July uh, in the far north there are uh, about 1,500 people that took part in a huge hikoi um, to the Far North District Council protesting uh, what um, the government has um, called significant natural areas and the designation of those areas or SNAs um, on uh, across Aotearoa. Now, some have described this policy as a modern-day land grabbing. Now, effectively, what SNAs are uh, there are status that um, can be placed upon a piece of land uh, if it's a significant natural area. Uh, some examples might include, might include sort of forests with indigenous um, native bush um, that need to be protected, etc, uh, etc. Et so SNAs, in essence, are meant to protect the environment, um, which essentially is a good thing, but I think um, the point of the whole protest was that um, there was no, absolutely no communication or consultation with Māori when the policy was formed. Um, and even though it might be a good idea, who would really know um, that it is if no one's talked about it before it's come out um, to the public. So no wonder there was such a huge backlash when it came to the surface. And it shows the importance of um, talking about these take uh, with um, Māori communities to perhaps avoid um, these uh, protests in future. Uh, also, there was another uh, type of protest, but a protest nonetheless in the same month of July, um, but this was undertaken by a number of farmers. 
who took to the streets to protest against government laws and policies that they believed were unfair, um, such as taxes on utes, um, etc., which they have every right to do. Uh, hoi or not, some of those protesters used the opportunity to air out issues seemingly irrelevant to farming, like urging the government to stop ramming Te Reo Māori down their throats and saying, ironically, uh, to the government to stop taking their land, even though um, most farms are built on stolen uh, Māori land, which is, yeah, funny to say the least. Um, and that whole kaupapa or that story, I think, feeds into the latest episodes of political attacks on Māori. Um, which we've seen and continue to see. Uh, now, a lot of these are fueled by Judith Collins of the National Party's um, Demand the Debate campaign and also the ACT Party's attacks on laws to stop discrimination and hate speech. So Judith Collins has attacked uh, a report called He Pua Pua. Now, this is just one thing a part of her wider campaign. Uh, but this report was written by a number of young Māori discussing indigenous rights in Aotearoa and how they might be upheld. And um, Judith Collins' issue with that report is that um, it suggests things like separate Māori health and justice systems, and she believes that all New Zealanders need to have uh, the opportunity to talk about and debate um, any changes like that before uh, they happen. Now, we know that a separate Māori health system and a separate Māori justice system is likely to do uh, a lot of good for Māori. Um, and I believe that the thing is, um, while they're doing things better for Māori, does not mean Pākehā are going to be worse off uh, automatically or at all, really. Um, in fact, none of these proposals um, that Judith Collins has taken issue with would affect Pākehā and that's kind of the whole point of them uh, because these are kaupapa Māori by Māori, to Māori, for Māori, as Māori um, so if they were affecting Pākehā they wouldn't really be doing what they were intended um, to do and if they're not affecting Pākehā then I don't see why uh, they need to participate in a debate about them if it has frankly nothing to do with them uh, hoi anō, uh, these parties, the ACT Party, National Party, are using, effectively using Māori as a political punching bag um, through these campaigns uh, to score points from New Zealand rednecks against the government of the day, which is a Labour government, uh, which is pretty messed up. And uh, this political rhetoric only encourages members of the public to spread their racist opinions and say stupid stuff like Aotearoa, uh, does not exist and mātauranga Māori is not science uh, which we know both are extremely false statements um, similar to this the ACT Party have also proposed laws to restrict people's behaviour on the basis that they are in a gang um, things like restricting how they spend uh, money if they're receiving it from the government like through a benefit um, and in a similar vein, the National Party are calling for armed police response units to return. So again, this is just another example of these parties uh, really doubling down to try and appeal uh, to uh, their crowd, 
to put it nicely. Uh, now, quite simply, these proposals and similar laws uh, will and have disproportionately affected Māori communities. Why? Because cultural, social and economic disposition has led to Māori making up most uh, of gangs in Aotearoa. And because if you're Māori and male, you are at a higher risk of the racist institution that is the police using arms against you if they are armed. Um, now that is already the case with dogs, pepper spray and tasers. Um, so uh, the logic really stands that if you throw a gun in there, it's likely um, to lead to the same result. Uh, more young brown males, not only getting a gun pulled on them, but possibly, possibly uh, being shot as well. Um, so we see that these proposals will have a significant uh, effect on Māori communities and Māori people. Uh, and it's ironic that at the same time the ACT and the National Party are running this Demand the, De Demand the Debate campaign um, for issues that have absolutely no um, bearing on how they live their lives or absolutely no effect on, uh, on them as the privileged sector of society. Yet when these laws... Uh, they are proposing uh, which we see actually affect a specific sector of society i.e. Uh, Māori communities and uh, brown communities. Uh, my question is when these laws are put forward where is our voice in the debate? Where is the Māori voice in the debate? Where is the Pacifica voice in the debate? Where is the voice in the debate that actually matters? So koina taku um, that's basically a highlight reel of all of um, the stuff that's been happening lately, I hope you found that informative. Um, and yeah, that's that. Etiwi. Kia ora mai lai ngai wi o te motu, nau mai hoki mai ki tēnei kaupapa, ki tēnei punua pāho e meinga nei ko Whakaro Fridays. Uh, tēnei e mihiatu nei ki a tātou. Uh, tēnei hoki e pōhiri nei i tētahi ao nō manuhiri uh, ki wāingarahi a tātou. Um, everybody, welcome to Fakado Fridays, uh, to this fifth iteration of the podcast. We will be discussing the Māori economy, and I have a special uh, guest with me. Um, e hoa tēnā, uh, whakamohi o mai ki tewi, uh, ko wai koe, no hea koe. Uh, please let us know who you are, where you're from, uh, and all of that. E hoa. Uh, tēnā koe, eru otira koutou katoa, nei rā te mihi manahau ki a koutou. Um, ko wai tēnei mihi atu nei, uh, Ko fitire te maunga, ko ngā taipairirua te awa, ko te waiwai kapitia tararawa ko rangitāne, te bautere, ko toa rangatira te tūpuna, ko toa rangatira te whare, ko ngāti toa te iwi, ko te rauparaha te tangata. Um, Kei raru i tērā, um, tērā iwi, ka tūnei au, ko te puoho kātene e mihi atu nei. Um, kia ora everyone, my name's Te Puoho, I'm of Ngāti Toa, Ngāti Tama and Ngāti Whātua uh, descent. And uh, it's an absolute pleasure and privilege to be uh, talking with you tonight, Eru, and uh, to your listeners. Me, bro. Tēnā koe. Tēnā rā koe i o tātou whakapapa uh, e hele nei i a koe ki o tūpuna uh, nei rā te mihi ki a koe e kara. Um, yeah, and it's, it's, our, um, it's our privilege actually to have you here speaking about this topic. Um, it's very significant uh, and it's a wide-reaching topic as well. Um, and one that I know you're uh, more than qualified um, to talk about Ehoa uh, in terms of the Māori economy. Um, and so we're just going to get straight into it. Um, but, but maybe before before that, actually, um, Ehoa, if you could let us know sort of what your your background is, 
particularly relevant to the topic that we're talking about. Um, it is a, a very reticent um, uh, mihi that we give in terms of talking about some of my uh, past experience. Um, for my for my part, I'm the kaihotu or the executive director for um, Te Pūtea Whakatupu Trust, mm. and that is a charitable trust that manages funds on behalf of all Māori uh, mm. to drive um, philanthropic and impact investment outcomes, particularly in education and employment, mm. um, science and mātauranga, and also leadership development. Um, I also have governance pōtai for, uh, on the board for Ngāti Toa, um, on one of the subsidiary boards for Wakatu Incorporation, and also for uh, some social impact groups such as Akina Foundation and the Volunteer Services Abroad Foundation. My um, my learning journey, I was actually a marine biologist. I graduated from Victoria University uh, with marine biology and ecology and biodiversity and worked as a fishery science a scientist for some time wow, and then decided to, yeah, decided to pivot out. Mm. Um, and I think it, it, it makes sense to, to talk about it because it, it's very... Um, uh, cathartic and how it brought me to this current kaupapa. Mm. I worked in the government for about 10 years, as mm. many of us do, uh, trying to position myself near levers that could drive social change for Māori. Mm. Um, but at that time, I, I worked through many different levels. At one point, I was um, um, advising the Minister for um, Primary Industries in mm. relation to his fisheries and aquaculture portfolio. Mm. And it was when I was in um, in the beehive um, that I realized that the appetite to drive transformative change mm. in that scenario wasn't what we needed as Māori in order to drastically change the world that we um, that our mokopuna faced. Mm. And so I came to the conclusion or the epiphany that sustainable change can't be given to Māori, no matter how well-intentioned from a government perspective. Oh, and it, it needs to come from within us and must be organic and native to us. Mm. And so it was on this point that I pivoted out from, from science and policy and um, fisheries and aquaculture, and I moved towards um, this kaupapa of um, what I like to call economic emancipation. Mm. And the reason why I did that was I heard a whakatauaki. I was listening to Wakahuia one morning, mm. and I heard Wetini Mitai uh, being interviewed. And he recounted at the time that money is like a kumara mm. and that its only vo- value lies in its ability to sustain people. Mm. And cool. this really did, the single point really changed my outlook on things. Mm. And it brought me to this point that if we are to, um, to pursue tino ranga tiratanga, mm. it needs to be ours by design and by execution. Mm. And we can, in that pursuit, we can economically emancipate ourselves mm. and be masters and commanders of our own fate. And therein lies our tinoranga tiratanga. Mm. So that took me on a pathway to, um, through many fortunate events. I was um, lucky enough to be um, awarded a Fulbright scholarship. And I went and um, did my master's at the Stanford Graduate School of Business, where I focused on, um, on corporate finance, impact investing, and looking at um, social responsibility and the real kaupapa was making sure that we could i could fill my kete with as, as many tools 
mm. and um, resources as possible to come back and get on with making the change um, that we need to see as Māori for our for our huarahi to be um, significantly and um, and grandiosely changed for our futures. Kilda, far up, right? Mihi, e mihi nui ana. Um, yeah, you're the first Stanford graduate I've had on this podcast, and it's an absolute honour. Um, and yeah, it's obvious that your experience puts you in uh, great stead to um, educate and inform um, listeners around this topic of the Māori economy. One thing I will add um, to your background that uh, uh, maybe you forgot to mention is that um, you're a huck, you're a kai haka of um, Waihiri, and I'd say probably one of the more handsome ones in that couple. So, um, <laughs> um, um, e, e, yeah, he recorded more ano. Tena kui, tena kui. Oi ano da katahuri atu ki kinga kopa recorded o te wa. Coming off the back of uh, your your experience, your life experience, your professional experience. Um, your experience as a Māori, your lived, your own lived experiences. What what would you say, um, or how would you explain this phenomenon um, that is known as the Māori economy? What is it? And also another sort of attack on question: How long has the Māori economy existed um, in terms of your own thinking? Okay, and I think this is it's a really good question because. The Māori economy as a phrase has kind of gathered its own momentum and mm. it's gathered, gathered its own life. And it's something that people talk about in whispers and things like the Māori economy and $68 billion this and mm. um, $50 billion that. Mm. And I think if we look at what people are talking about in these reports, and they're, they're really great reports and great resources for us to put a pole in the ground and understand where we are. Mm. Um, the Bill report... Um, that started the conversation, it defines defines the Māori economy in terms of the asset base, income, expenditure, and the GDP mm. of self-identified Māori economic actors. Right. And this is it's a very uh, very muddle uh, explanation, but this is mm. the nuts and bolts. And these economic actors can be with self-employed, that is with no staff, or they can be employers or um, Small to medium enterprises and also Māori authorities, which right. includes trusts, corporations, iwi. Mm. Um, so that's the um, the more technical uh, definition that we're working with when we're looking at these different reports. Mm. And that's important because we need to have something that we can have a comparative time series about. Mm. And so when we look at that original that 2013 report that Bill did, and this mm. latest one, the 2018 one. The methodologies um, are comparable, which is mm. very useful for us. Mm. But the bigger question is, Māori. and I think that the key thing that we need to well that we need to understand is that mm. um, it's, it has always been there, and it has always um, been a characteristic of how we interact and mm. how our economic activities take place. Um, both in a traditional and also a contemporary sense. Mm. But the, the Māori economy for me is the interwoven threads of the economic, social and environmental um, aspects that re represent the tapestry of the Māori that we mm. operate in. 
Mm. So we as Māori exist within the interweavings of people in place. Mm. And our traditional system, it took place in balance with Te Taiao and prioritised the prosperity of the collective as its mm. core driver. Mm. And this was true from when our tūpuna journeyed from Hawaii mm. uh, to these new lands. It was true when um, my ancestor Parore Te Awha signed He Waka Putanga and also when our rangatira signed Te Tiriti and we aspire for it to be true in modern Aotearoa where um, if I go back to that previous kōrero what I like to call kumara economics mm. it's yeah erua erua te, um, ko te pūtea me te kumara kaore he hua ona ki tua atu i te whāngai tāngata mm. so okay. it is not it is not enough for us to merely accumulate wealth and profit. Um, mm. The true test of our Māori economy is how we mobilise those assets to engender that transformative change for our people. How do we succeed and sustain our people? And so when I think about our traditional Māori economy, it was always that. We, uh, economic activity took place for the betterment and the prosperity of our people within the sovereign bounds of the environment in which we lived and what we fuck up up into. Mm. Gee, a beautiful explanation of what the Māori economy is and that for me has provided words, language um, that um, makes sense of my own whakaaro in terms of what the Māori economy is and it, it's um, one particular point I guess I've drawn from your kōrero is that um, you sort of dispel the myth um, that this whole idea of commerce, business um, entrepreneurship, trade um, came along with the settlers and was never here prior to the arrival of James Cook. Um, but in fact, Tupuna Māori uh, were trading all over the place, not not just in New Zealand, but in parts of Australia and the Pacific um, long before um, the arrival of settlers. And um, and but uh, but obviously, in accordance with a different model and a different metric of success, those reports um, that we've seen talking about. Um, this 70, almost $70 billion Māori economy. It's all based on numbers, but Afakaro um, Māori nei, if we were to think in a genuinely um, uh, Māori way about success in terms of the Māori economy, it's not really the numbers, but it's the effect of those numbers and how they um, how they reach whānau communities on the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. And certainly at the time of, of, of the signing of the treaty, we had been trading internationally for a number of years, Hewaka Putanga was can be considered our first free trade agreement um, on an international stage. True, yeah. um, and so, absolutely, that was the whole idea about we needed to have um, a merchant flag in order to trade in international ports. Mm. Um, I remember in Antetawihu in Nelson, where, where I fuck up with my Ngati Tama hat on. Mm. Um, uh, one of one of our Wakatu Tupuna Antamati Pirimona Marino. Mm. Um, he was trading in Sydney for many years, and he owned mm. three of the five um, schooners, the vessels that would um, oh, yeah. take those international um, international trade uh, trade trips. Mm. And it was again this whole point, and there are recounts of the time during the establishment of Nelson saying mm. that, that the settlers wouldn't have survived if not for um, the adeptness of the tangata whenua to feed them and to encourage economic trade. And mm. so, absolutely, I think. This is something that when we look around the, um, the world today in our Western sense, that we see a number of, of 
of disparate island states throughout the Moana Nui Atiwa, mm. where traditionally we know through our Purako that it was one ocean state and the ocean wasn't a barrier, it was highways. Mm. And those highways are how we conducted our business. Mm. Um, whether it was during, during the time when the settlers came in. But, you know, mm. I've spoken to um, some of our Aboriginal um, tuakana who mm. talk about the, do- the dog stri- dogskin treaty that they had with mm. Bangata Whenua in, mm. in Aotearoa. And we had wow. some of our whanau from Wakatu who went over to Peru and, and visited the locals who had a living memory mm. in terms of through their iwi mm. of the port that, um, that uh, our Pacific ancestors would go to trade with them and uh, where the kumara came mm. from. Wow. And so it's important for us to make sure we don't belittle the um, the amazing legacy of um, of international trade that mm. existed because it was um, different in perception and in scale to what we see today. Mm. Kia Yeah, gee, I didn't know that um, either. And that's that's another great fact to put into the kete. Um, inga, yeah, the kete o ngā whakaaro. Um, Awesome, bro. Um, so if we bring it to the present context where there are reports around um, this almost seven, $70 billion Māori economy, um, that's, for me, that's sort of just a number. Um, but if we break that down and sort of take a step back, actually, um, it's obvious that we... We still feature in statistics as Tiwi Māori, uh, no Māori statistics, particularly around poverty, crime, uh, preventable diseases. Um, so I think from from where I'm standing, there seems to be a massive gap between this $70 billion Māori economy and the reality for a lot of Māori communities on the ground um, and in the home. So what do you think is missing? And how yeah. do we translate or fill that gap? Yeah, e rata ana hau ki tērā whakaaro, e pā ana ki ngā nama, ke roto i ngā roa iti poata nei. I agree, and it's not to um, belittle the work of the people who have gone into the reports, Kia but it is, it, is a, it is a moment in time for us to reflect on. Mm. Um, but it's important to make sure that we contextualise that moment in time. Mm. Um, and if we keep that kumare economics lens on it, that, mm. Yes, these numbers represent one half of that equation, mm. but we also have um, have a gap um, that we need to fill as Maori to make sure mm. that we are um, delivering on the second half. Mm. So you, you know the numbers the numbers are, are large and um, uh, and impressive, but I agree that I don't think they're um, necessarily as important as it is understanding the characteristics of the Ohanga Maori mm. and. What I mean by that is that if we look between the bill report in 2013 and the one um, that's just come out, mm. the Māori economy grew 60% um, during that time. Mm. That's year on year, it grew 10%. Mm. Over, um, over that same time period, the New Zealand economy grew on average 5.5%. So the Māori economy grew at twice the rate of, mm-hmm. of the New Zealand economy over that time period. And mm. that's, I think that's, that's a material thing to observe. Mm. Um, also, if we look at when they're diving down into the numbers, almost 70% of the numbers that they're talking about, that 68.7 billion, mm. um, is held by self-employed or, um, or small businesses. 
Mm. So if we look at um, where the wealth sits, well, there's a common assumption that it sits with iwi and it's a result of, it, of treaty settlements. Mm. Treaty settlements only accounts for about 2.2 billion of that figure. Wow. And while there has been other areas in order to grow that, mm. um, I think there is more understanding that needs to be taken of that the, the asset distribution is much wider than, mm. than we necessarily give it credit for. Wow. Um, and we also know that Māori assets are significantly represented in natural resources. Mm. Um, and most of those natural resources are held by those Māori authorities. Mm. So that's, that's what I, I take from the numbers, is that we're mm. growing. Um, it's, the wealth is more, well, the assets are more dif diffuse than we might first give, give it credit for. Mm. And then the other thing that we're seeing is over, over time, we're becoming more resilient as an economy as our Māori asset base diversifies um, away from natural resources to have a more rounded approach. Mm. And so some of the um, asset classes that are being spoken about more and more include things like manufacturing, um, transport, uh, real estate is obviously a very big one at the moment. Mm. So what that doesn't say in terms of the number if I go back to, um, there's an economist called Simon Kuznets who devised um, GDP or gross domestic product as a measure. Mm. And he said the welfare of a nation can scarcely be inferred from a measure of national income. Mm. And if we look at that from, from our perspective, it says the same thing that we've been talking about in terms mm. of we have this measure of how we're doing as an economy, mm. but that doesn't represent the welfare of our people and mm. you you speak you spoke to it very clearly um in regards to um that um that million dollar question is how are we putting these significant assets to work creating transformative change for our people mm. um and you know i i'm from i'm from Purirua, i live in gisborne there's plenty of um, material hardship and inequality that we see in our communities in our whanau mm. and we can't help but um, feel that mamai on a personal scale, mm. um, even as, as we move into a point where we can make larger and larger economic and um, financial decisions. But I take heart in that there are some absolutely wonderful initiatives being undertaken around the motu mm. um, in, order to, in order to increase our contributions to the second half of that kumara economics equation. Mm. And if, if you look at Ngaitahu's Whairawa scheme or Matifatuarake's iwi insurance scheme. Yeah. These are really targeted and deliberate ways, or even surgical ways, of how we can look at um, existing shortcomings in the broader uh, New Zealand economic model and how we can put our assets to work to change those. Mm. So that's the question we need to ask. How are we being deliberate of targeting, targeting what those core stresses or those core nodes of influences are Mm. in our people's lives and are we doing it in an evidence-based um, scalable fashion mm. and one that's designed to maximize our Im uh, impact for them sure. um, and just for instance um, my my trust they put their whakatupu we released a report in april mm. um, that highlighted in order for maori to significantly move towards equity with um, the wider aotearoa mm. we need to move 20 23 000 maori from mm. low to high skilled roles. 
Mm. And to do this uh, in a sustainable fashion, we need um, to have almost 4,000 more rangatahi Māori every mm. year gaining university entrance. That's more than twice mm. the 2019 numbers. Mm. So based on that evidence, um, we are spending uh, $5 million over five years on numeracy and literacy programs around the country, partnering mm. with final water commissioning agencies. Mm. Um, we're running national science challenges for Kura Kaupapa Māori and we're partnering with, with outstanding groups like Puhoro STEM Academy to make sure that we can encourage tamariki into, into uh, STEM careers through their own Purako Māori. Mm. So I think building this evidence base and being incisive about how we put those assets to work is going to be a real um, clear way that as we, as Māori entities, grow and mature and work mm. more collaboratively, we can play some small part to catalyze um, driving, um, changing those disparities for our people in the future through the force and the um, the weight of the growing Māori economy. Mm. Awesome, eh? E, e hakamiharo ana yo kōrero. Um, one, well, one point that that struck me, I guess, was the rate of growth of the Māori economy over the last half decade or so, um, and I suppose some some may claim that that's been a uh, a result of government policy or government influence. I would probably say that it's it's been growth in spite of government policy and government influence. Um, but what what are your forecasts? Well, what do you think is the role? Um, well, what should the role of government policy be, if any, in terms of our own what you call economic emancipation? Apai, yeah, and it, it does. I think it does come back to that that central forecasts. Um, and while, yes, the government, I think, does play a key role in terms of guiding the, economic, the, the conditions of economic growth mm. um, that Aotearoa uh, is experiencing, they also have an ongoing responsibility as treaty partners. Sure. And our desire, our desire as Māori to economically emancipate ourselves, mm. it does not abrogate them of that responsibility. Sure. So, but what it does do is it turns that conversation um, from one of obligation to one of opportunity. Mm. Um, and it helps to balance that historical power imbalance that we've seen. You mm. know, we speak of, um, as you said, it's one thing to say that we've grown 10% every year for um, over this time period, mm. but there was a time when the Aotearoa economy was the Māori economy. And modern New Zealand was the transfer and extinguishment of the traditional economy um, in favour of the new modern economy, which lay outside of Māori hands. Mm. Um, yeah. Secret. So that's it's it's a it's a really important part to make sure that we do have this context, mm. but that rather than dwelling on what those obligations are, tinoranga tiratanga means we do it ourselves. Mm. And if there are opportunities um, to work with our treaty partner um, in order to do that, mm. miharu. That's awesome, and I, I, I mm. love the idea of taking part in in what was originally intended when we signed mm. the treaty. This idea of partnership—it's mm. not that patriarchal system of the government handing handing anything out. Mm. We are determining our own fate, and we are inviting our partners along the way for us. Mm. Now, there are stru structural issues that I absolutely agree remain the government domain of the government to address. Mm. Um, and if we look at the chronic underperformance of public health care, education, justice mm. systems, um, in order to deliver equitable outcomes for Māori, 
mm. but there are also ones of opportunity. Mm. And if we look at if we look at some of those, we look at the the growth of um, impact investment both domestically and international internationally. Mm. Um, here in Aotearoa, it's been a very clear um, connection made between how tikanga Māori um, align with these global trends and how um, tikanga-based impact investing is our unique identifier as a country mm. in a world of Western homogeneity. Mm. And so we can we can have those discussions about what obligations are under Article 3, what obligations are under Article 2, and how we can all work together to make the Aotearoa economy different from the New Zealand economy, mm. and one that cares about the collective, cares about our interactions with the Thayao, and thinks on that intergenerational platform, which is inherent in tikanga Māori. Mm. And um, I really uh, vibes with the point on um, tinoatanga, tiratanga, and I love that you brought it back to that place, and it's linking again to your kōrero right at the start of this podcast, um, that sustainable change cannot be given to Māori. Um, we I guess uh, we have always been the captains of our own waka and we should continue to be um, today and into the future. And um, I, I guess the Māori economy in itself is the waka that's, um, that we can use to convey um, our own aspirations um, for the present and for the future. Um, and that, that ties in quite nicely to um, the following pathway. Um, hey, what do you, what do you want the the Māori economy to look, sound, and feel like in the time of your mokopuna? Where do you want it to go from now into the future? Okay. At at Wakatu, um, we talk uh, a lot on the day to day decision making um, kind of perspective of this idea of how do we be good ancestors. Mm, and we talk about, that's, it's not enough to say that we have a 500 year plan mm. um, because that's fantastic, that's awesome. Mm. And I hold tightly to the to the corridor, you write your values in pen and your strategies and tactics in pencil. Mm. And we know for our, for our part, what was written in pen for us was written by our tūpuna in our tikanga, in our, the value and the precedent that we put on Mm. Um, putting Papa to the fore and these values of manakitanga and kaitiakitanga, all that's written in pen. That'll be true. Um, that was true 200 years ago. That's going to be true in 200 years' time. Mm. The strategies and tactics part, that's the pencil that we change in order to make sure that it is right for the right environment that we're sitting in at the moment. Mm. And so whatever we need to do, we need to make sure that what's written in pen for us mm. is clear. And if we are being good ancestors, our future descendants will be able to um, understand what that uh, what that pen is mm. and be able to interpret it in their own world. We don't know what, what the world is going to hold for us in five years, ten years. I mean, ten years ago, I mean, I think we didn't have iPhones yet. Mm. And so we know that there's a great deal of uncertainty, mm. but we know that these are going to be core fundamental tenets that are going to drive us through. And I think we saw a really great uh, example of what an Aotearoa economy would look like when we saw how our people responded to um, to COVID-19 and the lockdown that took place. Now, during during that time, um, 
We ran a number of, of hui with uh, Māori entities around the con- uh, com- country. Mm. And we wanted to see if there are any ways we could support um, their response and how they were, um, mm. and how they were doing and taking care of of their people. Mm. And I think it was it was a really beautiful thing that came to the fore. Of mm. we saw organisations um, offering emergency grants and delivering food and hygiene packages to tribal members. We saw um, we saw. Uh, road closures and lockdowns in order to pre- protect our fuck up of a. I spoke to one C- one mm. iwi CEO who delivered over seven thousand um, food and hygiene packs um, to their people, mm. um, and you hear these quarter about these um, groups and these leaders saying we're ready to burn our balance sheets in order to protect our people, mm. and cool. I think it's it's a really clear example of when people have less, people share more. And that's mm. always been a real character um, characteristic of our Maori um, communities. Mm. And when I think about what an Aotearoa economy will look like, not just for me, but in future generations, I just try to imagine the kind of the power of uh, of how an Aotearoa, Aotearoa economy that is focused on human centricity, mm. um, not just in the times of need, but also in the times of prosperity. Because we we mobilise very well in urgency, mm. but if we can maintain that same focus on our people mm. um, throughout the very underpinnings of it, how, how our economy goes, that's mm. going to be key. And so that's where we as humankind give due difference to Tetaiao and mm. making sure that we operate within its bounds. I mm. talk a lot about the first fish belongs to Tangaroa, mm. um, and so whenever we we are interacting with our with our payout and using these resources, we need to move that facado from extractive to reciprocal. Mm. So how how are we living that first fish to Tangaroa on an on a day to day basis in our economic decisions? Mm. Um, and I think one of the other things that we've spoken about at um, at great length is this idea of how do we contextualize our economic activity and our ability to meaningfully impact our people's lives. Mm. That the metric is not in the number. The metric is in the outcome for the for our people, mm. and it's one where we do make Okapuna decisions on a day to day basis. Mm. One that we can we can line up the short termism that um, the existing uh, economic drivers um, incentivize, mm. and we can balance those off with making decisions um, with two, three, four generations down the track track in mind. Mm. So. I think these these are the really key um, fundamental tenets that we can really unite our values to drive our Aotearoa economy, and it's one that I think that the rest of New Zealand is is really willing to embrace. Mm. Um, and so there's an opportunity for us to not only re-establish our authentic um, ohanga Māori, mm. but it is one that we can use to reshape the Aotearoa economy and, and its likeness to mm. put people back at the heart of what we do. Mm. Well, amazing, Ewa. Um, I, I really respect the way that you've framed the, um, this idea of an Aotearoa economy uh, and its basis being the whakaaro um, to be good tūpuna. Um, Māori mai pākia mai, you know? um, not just Māori on this venue, and that's inevitably um, 
where I think we're shifting uh, and the conversation is probably going to shift away from just being the Māori economy and towards something that's about this Aotearoa economy, embracing tangata whenua and tangata tiriti a hāri nei te wā. E mihi nui ana i o kōrero e hoa, haramai rā te toa, te rangati rā no hoki o kōrero i te pōnei. It's been an absolute honour to be exchanging for kāro and kōrero with you on this very significant topic. And I know you're, um, you've got, you wear a lot of hats and you, you do a lot of mahi for your people and our people and I uh, really respect the fact that you um, made yourself available um, to, uh, to really provide your, your whakaaro on, on this topic. Kore nei aku mihi e mutu, tēnā koe, otira, tēnā kāua, e te iwi. Ane, ka, ka tukua te, te rākau kōrero ki taku hoa hei whakakapi. Oh, tēnā hoki koe, tēnā hoki koe, Eru. Um, me, me tō mahi whakahirahira, ka whakapao hōhō mai enei, enei pito, kore, pito, pito kōrero. Um, koe nei te āhuatanga um, o te āpōpō. Me pēwhia te waihanga o tō tātou nei huarahi whakamua. Um, uh, engari tonu mā tātou tērā huarahi e waihanga. Nō reira, tēnā koe, tēnā koe te whakapua ki mai ienei tūmomo kōrero, me te patapātai mai ki tēnei pononga teimu i a tātou i naene. Nō reira, koutou katoa, Māori mā, tēnei timihi kauatu ki a koutou. Ia koutou e whakapau kahana, e whakaheke tōta ana, hei anga whakamua ki te angitū. Nei rā te mihi, nei rā te harikoa, nei rā te arohaki a koutou. Kia ora e hoa. Mauri ora i tewi.